0: I'm going to be very candid with you. We are living in a computer program reality. Welcome, everyone, to
1: Simulation Nation, your portal to all things virtual. I'm your host, Johnny Android. And I'm Futurosity. And we're here to keep you informed about all that's happening in the metaverse. we record our episodes live at Allspace every week and we promise you to have glitches, many, many glitches. You can join us from your PC or VR headset, just log into AltSpace, join our Simulation Nation channel, and teleport in to offer your opinion, question, or whatever else. Here with us today is the founder and CEO of ImmersMe, a tool that helps teach languages by immersing students in a virtual world, simulating everyday conversations in foreign languages. Enables us to get rid of the classroom walls and connect with the outside world. Uh, Here, joining us, is none other than the CEO himself, Matt Cardwell. Please give an emoji. Warm. Welcome. Warm. Scott.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's really lovely to be here.
1: So happy to have you. And I believe, uh, why don't you tell everyone where you are? First of all, they may have guessed from your accent, but we'd love to just share the global nature of the metaverse.
2: <laughs> well, if you thought it was Australia, then, um, you're going to be disappointed. Well, I'm based in uh, New Zealand.
0: And technically, it's the future right now, you know, since you're Friday and we're on Thursday at the moment.
2: That's right. It's our Friday afternoon here. So this is my last meeting for the week before um, before the weekend. So, uh, you know, it's going well. Uh, the future's looking good, guys. I can tell you. Uh, before the show started, you,
1: you told us that they ended the war in the Ukraine and COVID is is over. So this next 24 hours is going to be great. Anyone <laughs> has any problems with the next 24 hours, please consult Scott. We'll give you his contact information at the end. Uh, we promise you it is all his fault. All right. I can give you a couple
2: <laughs> of auto numbers for this weekend as well if you need that.
1: How wonderful. Ah, exactly. So I, I, I'd just like to start off by uh, just sort of talking about how we uh, came in touch with you, guys. So uh, Futurosity, you've been using some of these tools and learning languages. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you came in touch with Scott?
0: Well, I started my language learning journey just recently. I made a New Year's resolution of sorts to, you know, try to pick up Japanese. Um, back in undergrad, you know, I did a few semesters in Chinese. Um, so I was like, hey, that might help me out with my kanji. You know, I'm going to, you know, remember a couple of different characters from back in the day. But I realized I was a little nervous about trying to train with native speakers. You know, I looked around online and I thought, hey, maybe I could, you know, do video chat. But I realized I, I got a little camera shy. So I started to search around online and I found immerseme.co um, and realized, hey, there's a way that you can interact with a native language speaker um, using VR technology without the embarrassment. Since it's like a pre-recorded person, I don't have to worry about getting corrected or saying something inappropriate or you know, mispronouncing things. So I just did a little more research and I discovered your company and I said, I have to reach out to Scott. I want to learn more about this, especially after <laughs> trying out the demo. Nice. Thank you. That was um, very fortuitous. Oh, I appreciate it. I mean, I would love to hear more about just your background because, I mean, that company and the technology you're working with is quite fascinating. I mean.
1: Absolutely. So let's let's talk about your story. So, of course, we're doxing you as we speak. So this beautiful afro that you have in the metaverse is not the one that you have in the real world apologize for uh for for doxing you in this matter but um you know people should know that this is the best you you're living your best life here in the metaverse and the guy in the real world you know his hair is okay
2: oh my gosh i forgot that <laughs> photo was taken actually that's um, uh, it's in a classroom in new zealand They're actually on the right hand side the the woman in the blue jersey she is the um she's the local mayor of the town uh, and actually it's a it's the town i, I went through high school in. Uh, so yeah, this is a, that's a great photograph. I have no idea how you found that, but that's great.
1: <laughs> we, do our, we do our homework here at uh, Simulation Nation. So maybe, maybe you could tell us a little bit about how you got involved in VR and how you got involved in languages.
2: Yeah, um, my VR journey started probably about five years ago. My language journey started um, oh, right back in high school. I, I studied Japanese actually um, at, at high uh-huh. school and, and did a year's course there, and I didn't unfortunately keep it up, which was um, I'm you know gutted about now. But, um, but it was actually after I finished high school and got my first opportunity to kind of travel overseas that I really got passionate about language learning. And I just so happened to um, get uh, involved in a in a startup which was a, a language app, um, very similar to Quizlet uh, here in the United States, or so if you're used to that 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 tool, um, I guess Duolingo now is probably next um, incumbent, but um, we, we actually started building an app here in New Zealand to help us learn our, our language for for, for exams. And, um, and that's what kind of got me going in, in the language space. Um, and in terms of VR, I actually hadn't heard of VR until maybe about six, five or six years ago. It was actually while I was traveling around Europe um, and, you know, having to learn languages on the go that I heard about virtual reality as an immersive technology. And that, that word immersion really, um, stuck out because it's the word we'd always talk about at language conferences, you know, about one of the best ways to learn a language. So it just kind of made sense that someone should combine, you know, VR with language <laughs> learning. Right. But at the, at the time, I mean, six years ago, probably there were a few things kicking off, but there wasn't much happening in that, that space. So <laughs> I sort of thought, why don't I give it a go? Oh,
0: cool. Now, when it comes to your background, um, did you focus on language throughout school? Um, you know, through, um, you know, high school and undergrad, was that was your, was your primary focus or were you more interested in technology first?
2: Question. I actually, um, the language side of it's kind of developed as, as, as a learner, um, and mainly outside of academic institutions. I, I unfortunately didn't continue my Japanese at high school, which is a real shame. Now I wish I had, um, and, and take a language at, at university. I, I studied, uh, languages as I was traveling and, and, um, and got involved in a kind of a company that was teaching languages Uh, was my first job out of, out of university. So I was lucky to kind of fall into a career that involved language learning. Um, and, uh, yeah. And it kind of led me on a path to where I am today, which is, which is awesome. But you never know, like Steve Jobs said, you never know, you know, looking back, what's going to happen, you know, sorry, looking ahead, you never know where the dots are going to, where, where the dots are going to lie until you look back.
1: Absolutely. So, do you did you develop a, a technical team around you, or do you have some technical skill yourself?
2: Yeah, I um, I'm not super technical. I, I mean, I I love the technology, and I'm a, uh, um, you know, I I enjoy um figuring out new ways of using it. But uh, yeah, I have a have a a programmer, developer, full time. Um, and we've worked with development companies over the last six years to kind of prototype the technology, um, and and um, yeah, build the code and write the code. Um, and I, I sort of specialized in, um, content. So I, I've, I've traveled all over the world with a, a 360 camera and a friend of mine who's a videographer. and together we, um, we traveled to nine different countries and, um, and met local people and recorded situations that you would encounter in those countries and, you know, cafes and restaurants and bars and, and, uh, museums and schools and things and, um, and b- built all the material. And then I kind of focus more on the, you know, actually implementing it in classrooms and going and meeting teachers and going to conferences and doing the kind of a front face customer side of it as well.
0: I'm also wondering about your choice for, you know, we talk about immersion and as far as like the curriculum that you kind of built um i noticed um it's all about practical conversations you know it's you, know, you go to a restaurant or you're at the convenience store or getting a plane ticket i noticed like the focus is you know practical things but also um like kind of small talk conversations are included with some of the modules i had a chance to test out in the demo um, can you explain a little bit about just you know the process and like why certain scenarios are chosen over others
2: Yeah, I mean, we so we contract language teachers to to write and um, peer review all the content that we produce, and then we kind of figure out a way to go out there and make it make it happen. So I I I got um you know probably about three or four language teachers per language to to sit down as a as an editing team and come up with a list of common units that they would they would um, use or teach their students and um, curriculum guidelines that would sort of follow and and look at the kind of the levels from, you know, beginner through intermediate through advanced. And um and just kind of come up with uh, you know, it's the 80-20 rule, you know, what's what's the 20% of content that's gonna cover 80% of situations to start with? And then after that, um, what can we add to that that's gonna add a little bit more depth? And so I've relied heavily on, yeah, professional language teachers who who are amazing and and passionate and and they've traveled all over the world themselves, so they can always make really good introductions to places to go, people to visit, places to record. Um, and so it's given me an opportunity to just let them let them show me what they need, and I would um, figure out the rest of it, really. And it's and, uh, kind of how it's all happened, quite organically.
1: Yeah, so, I, you know, I've, uh, I'm curious, you know, you don't have to answer this, of course, but I'm just curious, um, you know, I'm originally from Canada. I know a lot of this, these kind of things are done through uh, government grants and things like that. How did you How did you fund uh, this project? Is it a government grant, or did you go out and and have to raise uh, a seed round of financing?
2: Yeah, good question. I mean, we haven't actually raised any external um, funding for this. Uh, sorry, external investor funding for this. We haven't raised a seed round. With uh, um, I've got a, two other good buddies of mine who are co-founders, and we've all put in. Put in some of our um savings into this and um and bootstrapped it um but we actually have been lucky i in a country like new zealand they um are, they're incredible really they there are there are these amazing research and development grants that you can apply for and especially if you're working on high tech or you're working on something that's got um global potential then then they actually support your development costs up to 40 percent of your costs right for certain projects so certain things we needed to kind of get done to get started, you know, build a, co- a like a database, build a content library, all that kind of stuff. And we were able to say, you know, this is how it's going to go and this is where it's the potential is. And they supported us. And, and actually we did run one, um, crowdsourced, uh, yeah, Kickstarter campaign, which, um, which most of my family and friends very generously supported. And, um, it actually got us, uh, you know, a bit of money to, to spend on flights and accommodation, traveling around the world, making our content. So we we're very fortunate to have such um, supportive families and friends to help us get off the ground. And I can't, you know, recommend those kind of crowdsourcing applications enough because, you know, it's an opportunity for you to bring your crowd along with you on your journey.
1: That's the job I want to just be able to travel the world and learn about new languages and go get 360 video of everything. Um yeah, so by the way, everyone, we love to have you here. If you wanted to ask a question or you had a comment uh for Scott, please don't feel shy to use the raise hand option. So you know Glen Gladesia Arizona Sunshine. If you find any zombies anywhere, T over there, Rayon. Thomas Brown and, and Grugier, who is, has, is multilingual himself. He knows French <laughs> for sure, and maybe others, who knows? Um, I'm curious if anyone has tried the app or uh, tried a similar app, and if you've had experiences in, in VR, we'd love to hear about it. Um, so, yeah, so this is really cool. So maybe you could run down for us uh, what someone experiences when they use your app.
2: Uh, yeah, so you can use our app and VR or on desktop. So you can do like on, you know, Google street view, when you get dropped into, um, those situations on a computer, you just kind of grab the screen and look around you. So but what we've done is we've dropped, um, we've, we've recorded in like French bakeries, for example, or, or Japanese convenience stores with a 360 camera. And, um, we've essentially, um, organized for a native speaker to be standing there and they'll greet you. And there'll be an objective to the lesson, like, you know, ordering, um, some, a, a bento box, for example, in the Japanese, uh, example. And, uh, and they'll be like, hi, you know, welcome to the, to the store, you know, how can I help? And you'll have to order a, a bento box in Japanese and we'll, 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 give you, you know, some help along the way. We'll, we'll show you what they're saying written out on a speech bubble above their head, kind of like emoji thing you can do, um, in old space. And, uh, the, Oh, here it is. <laughs> So here we have, um, this Greek woman. So she's, um, we're, we're asking, we're saying, um, she's saying parakalo, which means kind of, kind of help. And then we're saying along the bottom here, there's a microphone recording to say, um, which means, uh, I would like a, a kilo, a kilogram of bread, please. Right. That's how the order in, in Greek. And um, we've got some buttons along the side here that, that allow the, 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 the learner to see a translation of those sentences in English um, and then see a, a transliteration of that, um, Greek script or Greek alphabet written out in the Roman, Roman alphabet. And you can slow her down and go full screen and things. And we give you audio prompts as well to help you um, hear what that sentence sounds like. Uh, and then you record it yourself. And then if you say it successfully, you get to continue through the dialogue until you finish the conversation.
0: Um, one quick thing, as far as the speech recognition, um, um, since you have a choice um, to kind of set like the limits of the speech, as far as like you know how good your you know, recitation of it should be, as far as like I guess like seventy-five percent, fifty percent, or perfect. Um, how are you able to you know put that technology together and just kind of gauge on? Hey, um, you know we know learners aren't going to say it perfectly the first time. Um, how do you kind of gamify it in order to you know help people increase their accuracy?
2: Yeah, well, good question because we're using a tool speech recognition, which is ultimately designed to listen to native speakers, and we're using it we we're, we're, we're repurposing that for non-native speakers. So clearly, there's going to be some issues in either the program or the student's ability to understand or or correctly pronounce words um using the right sort of intonation and and things and so, um we sort of hash it a little bit so that if we can hear we can clearly hear like say 50 percent of the sentence that we're expecting you to say clearly and accurately then then that's kind of easy mode and that allows you to kind of continue through the dialogue um if that's the setting you've 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 set your your game settings at but if you did want to challenge yourself you did want to say actually i want to get this i want to get this right you know i want to I want to be successful in the real world and i want them to understand what i'm saying you can change your your game settings um the fluent mode and and at that point you have to get 100 percent of that sentence out directly um by the speech recognition systems algorithms so we can't directly control those algorithms because it's um it's an external service but we can um we can match the text back to the text that we're showing you on the screen and if that aligns um. Then, then we can allow you to continue. So, um, so we've done a lot of work around speech optimization in that regard. That's
1: very cool. I have a, a question also about the um the narrative. So, do you have um you have like a, a a branching narrative with decision trees that can go into different kinds of conversations, or is it a singular path?
2: Oh man, you should see some of these decision trees, eh? Like you, you think, language is so beautiful and and complex, right? So, we have to kind of simulate the conversation and, and keep it simple um and so even after one or two questions you know every time if you introduce a question which has say three or four possible replies then a branch a tree diagram um just multiplies and multiplies and so we've actually ended up having to film sometimes 16 different possible outcomes just for basic supermarket interaction where you get asked you know do you have a loyalty card and do you have id for this alcohol and Would you like some, you know, a recycled bag to take home and things like that? Um, And and even just that one lesson can suddenly, you know, becomes exponential um, sort of branching dialogue. So we we do have to keep it pretty simple. We do have to isolate lessons so that they don't just, you know, you don't go off into a a completely different lesson all of a sudden because it does get very complex. Um, But because we're kind of dealing with mainly to intermediate level students, they kind of need a bit more structure anyway. Um, And because it's all filmed, you know, it would involve us having to record all these fringe possible outcomes, which would just take too much time, basically. So, yeah, we we do isolate and we do have decision trees and they are quite complicated, even on a simple scenario. And so I haven't kind of tackled anything more, more complex than that just yet.
0: Well, that kind of reminds me of a story. Um, I did a family trip to Germany a couple of years ago, and I remember my favorite experience of the trip was actually just visiting the laundromat and trying to talk my way through just washing my clothes in a public place in Germany, because, you know, getting through the language barrier and just having that experience, it, it was very wholesome. It was almost like one of my favorite parts of the trip was just, I'm interacting with the regular people. So that's one thing I found very fascinating with Immerse me is that, you know, interacting with the shopkeeper and having like those, daily kind of interactions you would have. And sometimes I noticed some of the subject matter was um interesting as well, as far as like talking about local politics or talking about um, you know, I remember I saw animal rights conversations and um, you know, eating uh whale meat, for example, that's um somewhat controversial in Japan and how uh, you could have those conversations as well. Um can you discuss some of the choices um that were made for some of the other subject matter that was beyond um you know interactions and that are you know commerce based?
2: yeah well i I I wasn't sure how we would tackle more advanced topics when we started out. I mean it made sense to me that I could drop into a a, a boulangerie in Paris and you you could walk away with a a baguette right and it's uh, and it's a relatively simple blog and and you're answering a couple of contextualized questions and and most of the time it's the same sort of conversation every time. so, so that was fine. I was like cool, we can do that easy. But how can we actually use this technology to create um, much more advanced discussions, and and I guess the the challenge with language is when it's open ended. You know, there's so much you could say that you, if we decided to make it closed, what we could do is we could actually instead of you being you and being able to discuss whatever you want, what if we told you that you are you're a fictional character that's playing the the, the role of this, this person in this conversation, and this person has a perspective. So let's say you're picking up a. A movie, script and you're playing. I don't know, like um, I don't know. Think of a character like um, James Bond, right? You're playing James Bond in the context of this movie scene. You're not just going to be able to say whatever you want. You're going to have to say whatever the writers ask you to say, right? And so we sort of thought, let's take a journalistic approach to more advanced topics. So let's say it's discuss the um the advantages and disadvantages of um of technology on on education, right? And so you get asked a question, like, what are the advantages of, te- of technology on, on education? And each of those two different characters or say three different fictional characters might have very different ways of looking at that or discussing that topic. And so it's not all the possible things that you could say, but it is at least some examples of what you could say in response to that question. And, and I think a lot of the language that you use is quite useful to learn. Like, I agree with you because of these reasons. Dot dot dot, or i disagree with you because of these reasons and forming arguments and that kind of thing so suddenly we realized man we could actually we could tackle some big topics now we could talk about anything as long as as long as we give you sort of succinct responses to questions then um and we can drop you in and, and let you talk about uh, a whole range of topics and and that's what we did good cool well,
1: how many um languages do you cover i know you have maybe there's a few that you've mentioned now, um, and we have a few on the uh, slides here, and anyone who wants to see the slides either you can go to our YouTube station at The Simulation Nation or our Instagram at The Simulation Nation where we, we'll be posting these. Um, yeah, how many languages are you able to cover, and where do you hope to be in the future?
2: Yeah, well, these are the ones that are currently live in our, um, on our website, and um, so that's nine languages there. We, um, we are actually working behind the scenes on editing three new languages, so we'll have... Um, Brazilian, Portuguese, um, mm. modern standard Arabic and, um, and Russian coming online in the next uh, couple of months. Uh, and I mean, we kind of need, um, languages that are supported by either um, speech to text primarily, but also text to speech, um, AI technology, because that's kind of allowing us to create that interactivity with you and the video content. But other than that, uh, we could create content for any languages that are supported by those tools. So, Currently, we use Google Speech, which covers like, I think, 130 languages or something like that. I would love, you know, eventually to record content for that many languages in real life scenario, you know, real life locations around the world. Um, that would be a dream come true. And I guess it's just a matter of um, justifying that investment, I guess, with a business case behind it and people that are going to use it. And it's like Well, uh, since we're talking about
0: 360 degree video and recording for you know vr as well as for other devices um what are the pros and cons of um you know recording in person with um 360 cameras versus you know maybe 180 degrees or you know maybe a smaller field of view um why did you choose 360 and do you happen to have know the camera that you used
2: yeah well we, we literally used an off-the-shelf samsung gear 360 camera for probably 95 percent of our record maybe 99 percent of our recordings there's only a few times that we um, we needed someone else to do it and, um, they didn't have that particular model, but, um, um, but yeah, we, we use off shelf. you know, I don't know, maybe I don't, I think it's been deprecated now, but, um, but you know, $200 or so for a, for a camera, you know, pretty small fits in your pocket. Um, and we just set that up on a stand on a light stand, you know, that you would put a, a, a lighting rig. And so it's just a central pole with a tripod at the bottom and you just screw the camera on top and it's kind of unassuming. And it's kind of like, setting up a big lighting rig and a, and a bunch of cameras and having a, peop, a whole lot of people standing around, you know, directing you. We just put this in front of the shopkeeper, for example, and said, here's your customer. These are the questions we had on an iPad that they could read the questions we wanted them to say um, in front of them. So they could look at the, look at the question on the iPad, look up at the camera, smile and say, welcome to my store. What would you like? And then pause and then look down at the next line and the, the camera, you know, uh, the iPad shows that that, students had a chance to ask them for uh, you know their recommendation on a on a loaf of bread or or a a meal or whatever and so they can see their next reply as well i would recommend this or this or this you know and they can give them a few different options and then we record them picking up each of those items and putting them on the counter and being like here you go that'll be three euros or whatever so it was really easy for the shopkeeper to see that how the dialogue was going to kind of happen um technology was pretty unassuming and it was pretty cute. You know, it's like a little camera that's, that's up on a tripod and, um, and we just, yeah, carried it around in our backpacks and, and walked into shops and said, would you like to be part of this language experience? And, um, and kind of just made it happen. And, and the reason we chose 360 video, you asked about 360 video is, is I guess, um, well, I guess what is, what is like language learning is, simply, um, it's the interaction between people, places right language is 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 a is just the the um the lubricant that goes on between people and places and conversations that take place and so we thought well let's not let's just pop the camera there you can look around you can see the exact location that you are and that helps establish context it helps um you know it helps the learner to know the purpose of what they're doing um and there you go there you're in it this is the situation this is the moment you have to reply to someone who's asked you a question in a target language, what are you going to say? It's the moment of pressure, Um, but you can have it in a really relaxed way.
1: In the meantime, I I keep thinking of course uh, of sci-fi stuff here. So you're talking about going out and meeting these people and having these uh, vision trees through these conversations. How far away do you think we are from having an AI be able to communicate back so that you can have a more free form conversation? At five years away, years away, uh, not to the level of her, maybe the movie "Her" with Walking Phoenix, but to the degree that would be helpful for you.
2: Oh, look, um, yeah, I mean, all right, within five, ten years, it'd be fascinating to see what's been developed, and um, and it's a it's a challenging one. I mean, I think everyone agrees that language and there's so much going on there that it's going to be interesting to see how the AI can cope with um, you know humor and, and sarcasm and and um, and be able to simultaneously teach you, but also discipline you and all that kind of stuff that goes, goes alongside actual professional teachers that know what they're doing in this kind of thing. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's, it's interesting. I, I, I don't, I don't think it necessarily uh, needs to be this sort of super dynamic, um, AI powered thing. I think, you know, what I sort of want to do is provide people with an opportunity to go and do that for themselves in the real world. You know, there's a place for online and there's a place for, for offline. And even though I'm a, a, I don't know, CEO of a technology company, I'm always, I'm always saying, you know, technology's got to work for people and not the other way around. Um, and so, you know, I kind of don't want to see the technology get too advanced in some ways. I think, um, you know, turn it off <laughs> and go out and meet people in the real world if you can. But if it can support you through that initial learning stage and all of that. And that would be awesome but um you know i guess you know we we hear about you know uh, building a um a real life um real time you know translation sort of tool for using their supercomputers and they probably think that that's going to be within the next five years and so the things will change for sure in the next five years a lot but there's some things that hopefully won't change
0: I'm glad you brought that up because um, the more I think about it, um, when I looked at your videos and saw real people versus my interactions with avatars, um, one thing I noticed when I, I tried other apps you know, that use avatars for language learning, but there was something about the uncanny valley, you know, the the actual avatar, you know, the lip movements, the eye movements, they didn't match, you know, the actual speech. So watching the video seemed to be more of an advantage of sorts because I could read human body language. Um. So I mean, mm-hmm. in the near future, I mean, it would have to be language processing and animation will have to both advance to, you know, be human enough to fill in all those blanks that you know, nuances that a simple eye or you know a twitch of the mouth can do and say. Um so yeah since we're on that note, um, are, are you said you're looking into recording additional footage. Um now for additional languages, um are you gonna use a similar setup or are you planning on going for like you know 4K or 8K recording?
2: Oh yeah, on- I mean I'd love to push the boundaries in terms of resolution and quality. I mean, the higher resolution you get, the more realistic it does feel. And you can see those those subtle movements in body language, those subtle changes in someone's um, you know, someone's gestures and things like that. So I mean, I would love to get my hands on some of them the latest cinematic VR cameras and, and um and shoot around the world and and uh and create content, but not also not not only in 360. You know, when you look at our uh, kids are consuming content these days, a lot of it's on their phones still, right? And so they are used to sort of being able to kind of scroll through stuff and they're used to looking at these beautiful professional videos and photos of these places all around the world and and um and so you know i think what would be cool would be to capture sort of the experience of you know being immersed in a country or living with say a host family over in another country and being taken out and about in sort of their favorite locations and doing their kind of favorite activities and you're one of the family you know and and you almost like uh, you would you almost get to get to know them and these characters there through the through the situations and we can kind of drop you into their dinner for example, and, and you're there and you have to ask someone to pass you the salt and pass you the pepper and explain what's being cooked and things like that. And, and I think for me that that real authentic sort of experience would be great to try and capture, um, you know, through, through, through 360 video and apply it to an educational context with the, the curriculum documents you know, in mind and, and say, well, you know, your assessment is to be able to discuss your favourite um, food. Here you are, you're in a, in a, in a foreign country's uh, family's family dinner and they're discussing their favorite meals. What are they talking about? What does it look like? What is it, you know, what is it, um, how does it sound? All that kind of stuff. And, um, and just bring languages to life, really. I think there's, there's so much potential with this
1: technology. And it's almost, like it's almost like the language portion of it is almost a byproduct of experiencing something that you wouldn't usually be able to experience. So it's almost experiential. It's almost an uh, interactive uh, education slash uh, 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 entertainment tool. It's almost like, uh, imagine a travel show like an Anthony Bourdain show, except it's yeah. interactive. You are the Anthony Bourdain character. You're being funked into Beirut or something like that. And you get to uh, sort of have these very local interactions that aren't about a plot, but they're more about, is it like to live in this kind of part of the world? I think that's really fascinating and very interesting. It has more of the applications actually than... The, language almost like you would be learning the language as a byproduct of experiencing something really interesting
2: yeah i mean funny you say beirut We, we actually did film our arabic content in lebanon which is awesome i'm really excited about that and and yeah you're right it's all about familiarity and i think i guess i sort of sometimes um compare it to like when you you know your favorite musician or your favorite band um Know the week before the concert, you actually go and listen to their music over and over again, so you can kind of become familiar with it. So you can sing along in are playing, right? and that really heightens your enjoyment of And I think it's the same with languages. If you can kind of give people an opportunity to to practice in a risk-free environment and enjoy that practice time, um, so that when they get you know put into the situation in the real world, it's a lot more familiar and it's a lot less stressful. And um, you know, there's some really we've been doing some really interesting research about that as well.
0: Well, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your expansion into the education sector, um, because I noticed on my look through your website, you have had many accolades from education groups. Um, I'd just like to just hear a little bit more about your interactions with you know universities and also um you know for um you know grade school level children.
2: yeah, sure. we're we're working with grades five pretty much all the way through to college age, um, you know maybe second, third year college college students. So, um, like what's that equivalent junior? I think it is the third year of college for you guys, junior junior year. um and and actually, from different, you know from um, you know state schools and independent schools, but also we're working with um, you know some military academies that that want to provide opportunities to immerse their cadets in um, in real life situations and 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 help practice you know, um scenarios that they would encounter in, in in the real world. And so it's fascinating. It's awesome to be, in the education space it's such a positive industry you know like i take my hat off to people in you know healthcare and things like that that have been involved in the you know frontline um support and over the last couple of years with with covid and working in quite dangerous scenarios but education um you know it's always forward looking you know because you're dealing with people's futures and 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 these students that are off into the world and 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 have an impact you know and um and it's just awesome to be working with teachers because they're are always so positive, and especially language teachers because they love people and they love travelling and they love cultures and music and art and 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 it's a it's a it's a joyful place to be and and um you know it gets me up and up in the morning and, and and gets me into it and and there's so many so much potential to support learners from almost any age really I mean we don't have to stop it at, at at formal education you know there's opportunities for adult learners and things like that on our site just as you've found with um with Kanji and Japanese and um yeah there's there's a lot of potential for this kind of technology and and i think for me i I can see a lot of value in vr and ar technologies in the education side of other industries as well um you know anything that involves learning without risk or, or fear of embarrassment is is fantastic for for so you know and on in construction i can imagine you know being there and you'll be wearing glasses that will give you real-time as it updates on this on the building site and what's going on and and we'll be giving you ways to kind of do things in a more efficient way, which is going to save money and all that kind of stuff. So the application for this technology as a educational tool, not only in the education itself but across every industry is is fascinating.
1: And of course, congratulations on winning the 2021 People's Choice Award at the Launchpad Language Competition. Uh, that's pretty, pretty awesome. Can you tell us? I, I wish I had a picture of this of the award up here. I do not, unfortunately, but maybe you could tell us a little bit about that experience and how you got involved in that contest.
2: Oh, Launchpads! Launchpads, awesome. It's run out of the University of Hawaii, and um, it's the kind of a global search each year for the most promising, you know, new language learning tools and technologies, and. Um, we got kind of recommended by um, some professors at a university we worked with to put an application in, and I didn't really know much about it. But then they they contacted and said, "Your, your I was like, "Oh, wow, okay." And then they they had this really rigorous process where they um, they had judges. You know, these are these are language professors from universities mainly in, in the states, but I think they had it from over over, over these um, who who got a log into your program and got to read through all your documentation and, and got to play around with it. And um, then they had this kind of live pitch event, kind of like today where each of the, you know, the the companies got up and about what they did and ran a video and, and um, hosted um, by the university. And it was that they invite language teachers from all over the world to participate. And yeah, we were very fortunate to get um, people's choice award out of the, I think there were about 130 um, language professors and teachers from around the world. Um, watching the, the competition and um, yeah, we we're very humbled with the with the Launchpad uh, People's Choice Award from that. So it was a great, great experience. Obviously, obviously that's the most important <laughs> award. Who cares what the judges think?
1: It's the people that matter.
2: Come on. <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah, that's that's right. It's an interesting interesting one. And um, you know, we were still days in our element, and I still feel like we are, and so much more to, to explore. And actually, the feedback I got from the judges was was crucial, and, and that's actually what's helped develop. What we've worked on over the last sort of two years since that competition, um, and that's that's all you really need is is good feedback.
0: Oh well, talking about feedback, um, I, you mentioned that you sometimes create um kind of customized curriculums for the VR learning for language um for different kinds of clients. Um, is there um what you could share with us? Is there anything fascinating that you worked on recently that you would like to share?
2: <laughs> yeah, we do awesome awesome things. The most recent one that I'm doing on a day to day basis moment is um is is working on uh working on sort of the with the military academy in the u.s the u.s air force they, they will just kind of make um scenarios where you sort of report into your officer and and when you arrive as a freshman they um you're sort of expected to answer a bunch of questions yourself whenever one asks you like what squadron are you in and all this kind of stuff but we've actually we're dressing it into sort of a, a freshman stand-up you get asked um, basically a whole list of questions related to your curriculum. So like, it's kind of like you're being drilled by a drill sergeant, but you're actually being asked questions like, what's your favorite season? And like, who's the best, what's the best sport in the world? And like, what, what makes you so awesome? And so you have to describe yourself, right? And you have to say what your favorite sport is and you have to, and so you're actually doing all this stuff in the context of being kind of drilled by one of the other cadets in the academy. But um, it kind of brings almost like a comical lens to the to, to, to you know to the curriculum and makes it very relatable as well um and so that that's one little project um we also worked work with some school districts on um building out kind of the u.s actful can do statements um as well and and that's what we've been doing most recently in lebanon and and um and uh we filmed in sao paulo brazil and we filmed in moscow last year and, and um, Beijing, Berlin, a whole bunch of places. And so that was the first time actually that anyone else had made content uh, except myself. So I was a bit disappointed not to leave New Zealand and go off and do that. But um we we managed to find freelancers around the world that were willing to do that uh, for us. And, and it's turned out to be amazing because it's really authentic. So um so yeah, I'm enjoying the process of making new content. And like you said, we can customize the layout of lessons so that if you follow a certain unit with sort a of sequence or scope and sequence. We can rearrange our lessons and match it to that um, so that it makes it really easy when you log in. You can see all your units listed, you know, relevant, authentic material go alongside your program.
1: Yeah, I was wondering when you were talking about traveling over the world, I thought that New Zealand had the most strict lockdown of anyone. And I'm like, well, how did you get into Russia? And how did you get into all (laughs) Sao Paulo But you found a way? Uh, Because it's it's during quarantining time and COVID time. So that that would have been even a more amazing feat.
2: Yeah, I was. was uh, we were literally in full lockdown, level four lockdown in New Zealand, which was the most strict lockdown that we have. And um, yeah, we couldn't even really leave the house, which meant I had plenty of time to go on Zoom and, and organize um, people from around the world. And actually, funny, funny story, just real quick. I found a freelancer in Mexico that, was, um, that had, a, had a 360 camera and we were chatting and I said, I want to film the scenarios. And she said, oh, where are you from? And we are oh, from New Zealand. Oh, New Zealand, I used to live in New Zealand. And then,
1: Oh, no. You know, which I guess he went to New Zealand right now. He just decided to just just take off. Well, there he is. He's back. How, what happened? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm not, they, I don't know. The metaverse got too excited, I think. <laughs> exactly. You, you blew, a, you blew a gasket in the metaverse. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I, I'm really fascinated with your team building because a lot of people had to connect over Zoom and VR, VR chat, alt space, and more to kind of build teams and work remotely. Can you just discuss a little bit about just the process and finding good team members and, you know, kind of finding people that can see eye to eye with goals of immerse me? Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your process and finding just the right individuals to keep things going.
2: Yeah, well, I've been very, very lucky. In fact, I've got one of my team members here in the uh, in the audience. Uh, my, uh, my developer, Tom, Tom over there, he's a, he's a wonderful man. And, um, Actually, we picked them up out of a graduate recruitment program run here at them um, through the universities in New Zealand, and, you know, we, we registered for that. Um, but, you know, I've got a credits page on our website. I mean, it's kind of been the rule of, like, produ- executive producer. You know, when you think about the filmed content all over the world, we've kind of made this, like, epic movie, really, in some ways, um, which, which has scenes in all over, all over, in these different cities and countries. And so I've had to kind of find, you know, people that you would expect to see on the, on the credits of a movie, you know, like a producer and content writer and editor and peer reviewer and an optimizer and tester and all these kind of things. So, I mean, I don't know, you just put it out into the atmosphere of what you're wanting to do. And and, then, you know, you register for Facebook groups of people that are got, you know, similar interests, you know, 360 video professionals or or ed tech founders and all that kind of stuff. And you tell them what you're going to do make a website, put it out there, put it through social and sort of just people end up kind of, you know the right people that you need end up appearing at the time that you need them somehow, and you've got to put a lot of work in. You've got to do the mahi, we say in New Zealand. It's a, that our Maori word mahi, which means put in the work. You know, you you got to do the mahi to get the treatment. Um Yeah, it's a lot of work, but uh, you know you got to get up every day and just give it everything. And um, I've been very very fortunate to have literally hundreds of people involved in this, um, and you know all part time mostly, um, but some some crucial teachers in particular that have really believed in the concept right from the get-go without me even showing them anything. They were like, I get it. I love it. Let's do it. And so I was like, wow. Okay. And I'll be like, we'll, we'll you know, we'll bring our school on board and we'll get all the students using it and we'll give you feedback and uh, we just want to make this happen. And so those people, you know, like there's been a couple of really crucial teachers um, that I've, that I've worked with over the last six years that have been super, imp- super important to the whole process. And um, without them, this wouldn't have happened. So you know, um, I their named on the on the public uh, event, but um, but they've been you know phenomenal.
1: Cool. Um, well, we're 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 as we're nearing uh, the end here. This is your last chance. Anyone, if you had a, a question or a comment. For Scott and uh, Tomas, even if you want to uh, speak to uh, being on the team and your responsibility, we'd love to, to hear your thought. Before I answer the questions, though, you, when you broke the metaverse just then, Scott, um, you didn't get to finish your story. Did you, did you want to finish the story you were trying to tell?
2: Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was just trying to show how small the world is, really. So I, um, I was just, just, just chatting to this freelancer in Mexico, and it turned out that she knew my brother she, she like knew my brother really, really well and lived in the same city as him. And, and, um, she was like, Oh, say hi to your brother and his wife for me. And, uh, and, uh, tell him I miss them. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to see them again. And this was, and, um, freelance, you know, needed to find people to help me. And uh, it just sort of, for me highlighted the kind of, uh, global we are, how connected we are and, and, and how great it is to collaborate with people. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Okay,
1: we do have one uh, question or thought from Rococo Jones. So let's try to call in Rococo. Where are you, Rococo? Let's, let's see.
2: Um, wait, can everyone hear me? Nope. Yeah. Hey, um, I'm a. This is a quick question,
1: I guess for anyone really. Um, what are our thoughts? Your thoughts on like how animation? Is developing in like the metaverse, say, like things from like Bobab Studios or like, like where do you see that fitting in animation workers and like things of that nature? Because I come from animation, so I've always been like interested in the metaverse. Like, we've had classes with VR headsets before in the colleges I've been to and uh, attended and all that stuff. And it just seems like it's all heading there anyway. I mean, 3D was, you know. 3D was forced on the industry in the early aughts. But, you know, so, so what, do we, what do we all think about that? Like 3D animation, art, like, you know, where are okay, we at? Cool. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Um, you want to you try, Scott? So, so Scott is, the, uh, is uh, involved with languages in, in that. We talked a little bit. You went around and got real people. Uh, you were probably staying away from the animation aspect
2: for, for the, Yeah, I mean, view. we will eventually use animation. I think it's a great tool, and it's, it's a lot more dynamic, um, and allows you know, as soon as you shoot something and film it, and it kind of sets it in stone, and you need to go find another location, film another scenario. Whereas animation, you know, you can you can kind of imagine a new world and imagine a new space, and then build it, just like we're in this one at the moment, right? So I think animation is going to be crucial um with you know the metaverse, and for language learning, it's it's going to be amazing because you're going to be able to build interactive objects in the space and you're going to be able to use that to teach vocabulary, um, and, you know, and be able to create interactive virtual worlds for people to actually go into and, and, and consume. Um, the thing with, I think with animation that I didn't sort of didn't initially use it to start with is that I think you can kind of fall into sort of traps around cliches and various stereotypes that I didn't want to sort of, um, you know, uh, we didn't want to kind of create just a, French man with a, a, a beret and a, and a moustache yeah. and for our lessons, you know, we wanted them to sort of feel more authentic and, and, um, it's, it's, it's easy to sort of fall back on biases when you use animation, uh, not that it's anyone's fault, but it's just, just what happened, I think. So uh, I sort of wanted to wait, wait and see a little bit how the animation world would would develop and how detailed it would get so that we could use it when it got more real life or more realistic. Um, and, and had a plan for how we would actually use it from an educational perspective to reinforce a teaching point um so you know i agree with your your statement it's it's going to be a huge part of it. i mean we're all animated right now it's going to be the metaverse and in, in it's of in its default map. um and i think um yeah we haven't jumped into it straight away but we will eventually
0: well um, just on that last little note about animation um, one fun tool I did have a chance to play with, um, I, I'm a fan of Unreal Engine, and I noticed that they're slowly but surely um developing the metahuman concept um, where there are 3D models that are very realistic, and I noticed um, they're working on ways for them to kind of speak and use like basic phenomes and move their lips properly. Uh, so it seems like we're getting there, but we're just still a little bit off. You know, we're, we can't 100% replicate human speech and movements of the lips and mouth but we're getting kind of close. So hopefully it'll come out soon.
2: Yeah, look, there's some stuff going on, even here in New Zealand. I know there's a company, Soul Machines, that are doing some really cool stuff. And, and we would love to use some of that technology, um, you know, especially to prototype you know, new lessons. And it maybe it may even for teachers to be able to write scenarios and then be able to publish them instantly um, would be phenomenal. So the animation stuff's going to come in and be a really important part of content creation and, and content um, iteration. So um yeah i agree i think there's a best of both worlds would be sort of um you know some sort of photogrammic you know flight like using photogrammetry to to you know take um you know photorealistic um models make photorealistic models of of real locations and maybe make photorealistic models of of people and, avata- and turn them into avatars and then be able to use them in, in, in a lot more of a dynamic way um, that would be quite a cool merging of those concepts. And and then you could make objects within that space interactive so that if you're being offered a baguette, for example, in Paris or a bento box in Japan, you can actually kind of pick it up and look at it and, and see it in, see it in detail. Um, and that I think would really help with memory retention mm. and, um, and, and, and would have a really great, um, you know, learning outcome from, from it. So, so yeah, there's, there's a huge, um, huge industry out there for animators and, uh. And uh, I think as it gets more photorealistic, that's going to be really exciting. Oh,
1: thank that, you. That's, that brings brings us perfectly to to the last segment, which we we like to call the future. You're from the future, right now, and here we are in the in the metaverse. And talked a little bit about it. How perhaps AI is a, further down the road, and perhaps some animation could be involved, or perhaps you're going to have or languages uh with your your program is there anything else that you're thinking about in terms of what would uh help uh your program even more in the future
2: yeah i mean i i think you know from our from our perspective we've got a lot of unfinished business in the education space and the language learning space there's so much we want to do in terms of art and culture and food and people and and travel and and all of those kinds of concepts there's a lot of material we need to get through for that first but um you know i can i can see um a really huge industry in um in this kind of technology and and to be honest the best people to be making this are, are young people you know these are the ones that are that are consuming it they're, they're naturally creative and and i think um you know my my goal is just to keep hiring graduates like tom over here and we've got these amazing and you know insights into to where this is going and and you know you can sort of see i guess you know about in, in the media at the moment around meta and and um, wanting to build a sort of a metaverse um, where you sort of interact on a social basis. And, and I think if it's a tool that people enjoy using and they want to, and they want to meet up with their friends and it feels natural and comfortable and organic and, and it actually enhances their life, then they will use it. Right. Just like any other tool that we've had over the decades, you know, when we think about technology, even a piece of paper is technology, right? Before that, 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 that didn't exist as a, as a form of, um, as a form of learning right it was all passed over knowledge was passed down through conversations from generation to generation and then you could write it down and suddenly you could print it and then suddenly you could send it to millions of people all over the world and suddenly they had this concept of mass education so how is this going to help education in the long term who knows i mean i don't i don't really want us to end up being like the um the, the people on uh, what is it Wally, you know where we are all sit in wheelchairs and, and, and kind of <laughs> I don't know. Like there's something that's not that great about it. I mean, I'm a big believer in health and fitness. Like, you know, my developer, Tom here will, will, will vouch for me. I, I, I literally allocate up to two hours in the middle of my day to, you know, to get out and exercise and, and do something off, offline. Um, and I just, every day I go out and, and go for a run or a bike ride or you know, catch up with friends and stuff. And, um, you know, use technology when it works and don't use it in every scenario. I think that's my, I believe, but maybe um, maybe others will come and and um, I don't know force us to to live in the metaverse one day. Maybe they will. Don't know. What do you think?
1: Okay.
2: <laughs> uh, I think
1: I think balance is definitely key, <laughs> for sure. Uh, but well, maybe it'll be like I always think of two thousand one, a space odyssey, where they you're in this spaceship, but they have that rotating. Uh, um, wheel where they kind of run every day to keep their heart rate up and to keep their their life in good condition and then they can go back to their business so maybe that'll be something like that. or maybe we'll have running you know those uh in ready player one they have those treadmills where you run on it and yeah, you're yeah. in the metaverse yeah uh, yet you're moving and the and hectic suits and stuff yeah and then um they just <laughs> had south by southwest they had this big you know they had a lot of uh immersive uh you know mixed reality technology and, and one of them is that you can put an arm and a hand that uh, puts weight pressure on your muscles to make it feel as though it's contracting so it actually causes muscle activity to move your arm if you're lifting something heavy in the metaverse so they're they're making it all that maybe you know i actually do exercise in the metaverse in a sense i use that supernatural vr app um with uh, chris milke i think meta just bought it uh and they also traveled around the world and got these incredible views so you're doing a workout or an active volcano in Iceland, you know, and there's these like spheres flying yeah. at you. It's really fun and you almost forget that you're exercising. So I'm sure that there's gonna be a wow. way to
2: combine the two. Yeah, totally. Gosh, there's so many avenues.
0: <laughs> oh, just amazing. I I really appreciate you coming today because you know, we talked about previously how you know how VR is more of an empathy machine. How you connect with people through VR. And I just really appreciate how Immersed Me kind of helps people appreciate other cultures and be able to connect with a you know, large number of different kinds of people from different places. Um, Just any other thoughts on that? Just somehow this immersive nature kind of helps people connect better?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I actually wrote a, a slam poetry um, video when we did our Kickstarter about connecting communities because um, I don't know if you can see the logo. Oh, you might have had it up before, but it's like a double loop double twist infinity loop um which actually um which actually comes from a New Zealand context it's a it's a when you put it up on a on a vertical basis and make it so that it kind of forms almost like a teardrop shape the loops get sort of bigger as they go down um it actually is a is a Maori carving is a is a stone carving in what we call pounamu which is jade or a greenstone um and it's a it's a it's a greenstone that my brother gave me um when I was uh, sort of a teenager and um him and I were born on the same day, but six years apart. And um, it's 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 designed. It's supposed to represent the coming together of of two cultures or two communities and mutual respect and friendship and love. Um, and the kind of the the sustainable sort of you know, it's an infinity loop. So it means from you know to infinity and beyond. Um, and I guess the colors that we designed for the logo are sort of you know sky blue to kind of earth green, and um, they're trying to kind of represent know, the colors of earth sustainability and, and, um, yeah, mutual friendship and coming together of people and connecting communities is, is actually a key phrase that we use, use internally. And so the bit of meaning behind what we do, um, that may not be obvious to the average person, but, um, you know, it's nice to have it there and, and core values of, you know, sustainability, education and innovation. And, and, um, and if it fits with that, then we'll do it, you know, and, um, and so, yeah, you nailed it on the head there, actually, Futurosity, by saying it's about connecting people. And, and I think this is what this technology can do in a really um, beautiful way, just like today, with people from maybe all over the world. So um, hopefully that continues into the future.
1: Absolutely. That's a, a perfect spot to end. Thank you, uh, to all of us, uh, he's, he's agreeing, giving you the heart emojis over there. Um, so where can <laughs> people get in touch with you
2: and where can they try your app? Oh, sure. I mean, if you go to immerseme.com, we actually just got the domain. Um, someone else owned it and they were happy to sell it to us, which is amazing. So we'll forward you to immerseme.co.co, but um, immerseme.com um, and you can go to our contact us page and put in your details or you can try a demo. If you type in demo, demo, the email and the password when you go to our homepage, that will get you in and you can try out some lessons and um, yeah, give us some feedback. If you're involved in education in particular, or you're at a K 12 or higher ed, um, institution, then get in touch. Um, we'd love to love to chat to you. and um, yeah, that's it. Thanks for having me. Well,
1: yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. So anybody uh, who's listening out there, if you want to try an exclusive uh, uh, opportunity here to to check out our me we will put that in the show notes. That's great.
2: Thanks you very much, guys. Have a have a lovely afternoon evening, whatever time it is. What's the time for you guys? And uh...
0: oh, we're we're on the um Pacific time, so it's nine p m. Oh, cool. Cool, cool. Well,
2: wow. <laughs> have a lovely Thursday night, everybody. And um, Friday, if it's uh, if it's in, in New Zealand and, um, or in our part of the world, and uh, yeah, have a good weekend.
1: Cool. Oh, well, we thank appreciate that. And, and thank, you, thank you, everybody, for teleporting in to this worldcast of Simulation Nation. Whether you're with us in virtual reality, listening to the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or watching watching glorious Technicolor on YouTube. Remember to subscribe to our Instagram at The Simulation Nation, Twitter at SimNationVR, and our Discord server, and join us next time for the creator of Mindful VR, Scott Egan. Till then, stay plugged, my friends.